Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. I got the pangiest fabric. I was so happy. I'm going to keep leaving it all for summer. A really lovely cerulean blue Georgette as well. That's going to be my nice maxi summer dress with bursley. I like it. I like. Oh, I see it. I see it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a little tiny. Yeah, yeah. yeah I see it. Yeah, I yeah. Hello everyone. It's been a while. Hope you're all well. Hope you're keeping good. Hope life is good. We're back for another overrated underrated session at Huckle Tree and we haven't recorded a session in a while. So you no. lot have no excuse to come week this week. It's been a bit it's been a hot it's minute. It's been hard. It's been hard, you know. It's really? not easy to dig deep beneath your soul and try and pull something out that is purposeful and will I don't know. I, I don't know. I come in always wanting to affect a little bit of tiny change. Mm-hmm. All right. So welcome to our new listeners. This is our overrated, underrated session, and it works like this. The girls are challenged to each bring three subjects they'd like to unpack and debate as either being overrated or underrated, and then leave it for public scrutiny. Even the most mundane of topics sometimes give way to often laid and useful perspectives. So don't knock it, give it a listen. And uh, hi, Kieran. We've it's just had Kieran from Huckle Tree enter the room mm-hmm. with a cup of tea. Hi. And he's come with a guest. Hello, <laughs> guest. Hello. Aren't you um, going to ask Celine about her wig? Oh, yeah. Where did you go on your travels, on your week well, off? Well, actually, my week off, it started on Monday. Yeah. And alhamdulillah, it ended so beautifully. Um, I decided to go to Brighton on Friday. And if you follow me on social media, because like, I'm a big influencer and that. Um, that's a joke, guys. I often talk <laughs> about how I'm a bit scared to actually venture out of London. Mm. And I don't know if some of it is indirectly related to our work at Amali. Obviously, we read a lot of news, a lot of things related to Islamophobia. Mm. And I've, I raise it with Naf a lot. Like I've I developed like a bit of a fear yeah. to go any outside anywhere, like anywhere. And I thought, you know what? I really just need to overcome it. Sometimes you need alone time and sometimes you just need time away to refocus. And sometimes you just need to conquer the fear that you have. Otherwise it just continues to grow. And alhamdulillah, I met Nasreen. She's one of the founders of Variant Space. And oh, she- you met her? I've been wanting to meet her for the longest time. She's, She's so lovely. She, my friend got her to do um, a drawing for me for my birthday. Aww. She, yeah, she she doesn't do bespoke drawings or mm. anything, but she did her first oh, one. Oh, lovely! I've put it on my um, She's on my so wall. Lovely. And I messaged her on a whim. It was Friday night. I was in Brighton, and I thought, oh yeah, Nasreen lives here. So I messaged her, and I think what was nice in the beginning of the week, I set my intention to have this Iman holiday. At the end of the week, I was surrounded by people who reminded me of Allah. It was just so nice to just refocus or, if anything, be reminded of what's important. Thank you, babes. Oh, and I got my jumper, guys. My first oh, ethical nice. and sustainable jumper. Where's it made from? It doesn't no look origin. hippie, guys. It actually looks nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, can someone read that? Because I feel like I won't be able to read it. It says, 100% organic and fair trade cotton. Proudly made at Mila factory in... 
Tirupur. Yeah. India. Where's that? India. Yeah. We'd love oh, you nice. to repair, reuse, and recycle. Um, and or recycle this garment after use. Yeah. Very nice. Anissa would be very proud. Alhamdulillah. And you know what? Obviously, I'm not replacing my whole wardrobe, but bit by bit, I'm trying my best. And you know what? You feel different when you wear it because I was like, um, I was about to leave the house and I was like, oh no, I want this jumper to last. Yeah. So I put my coat on because I didn't want the rain to affect it. I just felt happy knowing that the women or men who made this jumper are being treated nicely. That's a nice follow on from our last podcast. Actually. It is. Okay. Um, right. So Naf. Why do you look nervous? I've got a lot of things to get through. <laughs> she looks more <laughs> nervous than when she did her TED talk. Yeah. Right. Oh, here we go. Did you know Nafisa did a TED, TED talk, guys? Ted if you go to YouTube Ted. and you just put Nafisa Bakar TED talk, it'll come up. It's, it's a really TEDx, good. guys. Don't, don't believe her. Can we please have your first overrated? Right. Um, let me think about me order. So my first overrated, um, I'm thinking how best to term this. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to term it as the Muslim obsession with charity admin fees. Bring it, bring it, because I'm here for this one. What I'm saying is I feel like there is this real obsession from donors, so people like me and you, Mm -hmm. of not being okay with charities charging admin fees or part of your donation being used to process the the payment, the transaction, the donation, however you want to put it. And this particularly comes around during Ramadan when everyone's trying to be good and and give more money. And you'll see like people saying, oh, only give to this charity. It's 100% donation, no admin fee, blah, 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 blah. Um, And I feel like it's quite a widespread mindset that like if a charity has an admin fee, then it like somehow makes them immoral. Um, And so I wanted to talk about a TED talk that I feel like deals with this and lots of other issues in the non-profit sector. Mm. Um, It's a TED talk called The Way We Think About Charity is Dead Wrong by Dan Pelota. Very good. I think that's how you say it. Um, And he basically breaks down like five key flaws we have in how we look at charities. And he talks about how there's two rules. There's one rule for non-profits and then there's another set of rules for the rest of the world. and, you know, for example, we tell the for-profit sector that they can spend on advertising, they can spend on marketing, they can spend money on telling consumers how great their products are. Mm-hmm. But then we tell charities they're not allowed to spend on marketing because they're not allowed to go out and tell people how what great work they're doing because somehow it's immoral to be spending on marketing. Yeah. And ultimately, the way he frames it is if we are allowing consumer brands to spend as much as they want in terms of marketing the benefits of their products and then we're saying charities that they can't do that where are our consumer pounds going to go ultimately you're going to go to who you're marketed to right um and he gives the example of amazon and he says you know amazon went six years without returning any uh, profits to its investors And that was because their investors understood that they needed that time to basically dominate the market. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there's a whole nother conversation about Amazon. I feel like I'm coming for them in this podcast. Yeah, but I I mean, there's a whole nother conversation about that. But it's about understanding that we've got these different rules um, for if people are trying to do good versus if people are just trying to dominate. Um, And 
he he the way what he said he put it really well he said we confuse morality with frugality and it's this idea that if a if a company is spending like 60 percent of its money on overheads then it should be vilified and so overheads in its most simple simple form are the things that cost money to run what the organization is trying to do so like staff costs rent marketing advertising all of those things and he he said you know we're taught that um i'm basically like repeating his ted talk so do you go, go watch it um but he said that you know i was just taking a key couple of key points and he said you know we're taught that a bake sale with five percent overheads is morally super a bake sale like you setting up a little bake sale with a table and cakes on it is um with five percent overhead costs is morally superior to the professional fundraising um company with 40 percent overheads (coughs) with 40 percent overheads um, and he's like, but we're not looking at the fact that the bake sale is only making $71 versus the professional company making $71 million. And I think as well, you've got, I don't know, somebody who's actually spending time and money to make those cakes. Mm. Like, should they not be yeah. compensated in some yeah. way? Like, it's it won't be ethical if someone's at a loss on one end. Yeah. And I think it's also about like, and I feel this way for teachers as well, we're we're also saying that it's like immoral for people who want to do good they shouldn't be compensated well and so therefore you're not going to attract all sorts of different pools of talent and again in the ted talk the example he gives is that a person is better off going and doing an mba going into a really high paid job being able to uh, donate a hundred thousand of their salary to charity being seen as philanthropic as well as still having their status and power rather than going for the ceo job of a charity on 100k right and again i feel like we have this obsession of like oh why should charity bosses be paid this much and again nuance in the conversation i do know some charities they are taking the mick and you know there's a lot of inequality and blah 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 but i i think we need to just strip it back to how do we actually impact the most people and sometimes that is through spending money yeah and just on a basic level like when you call up a charity and you Mm. want to make a donation there's a phone line that you've called the bill needs to be paid for that yeah that payment then needs to be processed the person that's taking your call they need to be paid Mm. in a really small scale Mm. like should we just cut all of those out the the Mm. equation let's not pay our bill you know, uh, let's you only ha- can come in, come into the charity and give mm. your money. You know, yeah. let's get rid of phone lines. Let's yeah. go. For- and it, it reduces the scope of the number of people that can go and then work in charity. Because right now we've created these two different worlds of you either have, quote unquote, a nice life with lots of money or you go and do something for good and basically be broke. Right. I was listening to the Column Institute podcast the other mm. day and he was talking about his role as like a teacher um, I don't know if it was him specifically he was referring to, I can't remember exactly, but he was saying that um, scholars who teach for money, he traced his roots back to obviously the Prophet Muhammad After the revelation, he no longer traded in the marketplace. He had to rely on private trade between a few people while he was teaching. And he was, cause he was saying that a lot of people still have this conflict with islamic scholars teaching and taking money from the community to keep again, to support them. Like, it's just but it's, it, it feels like to me that whenever there seems to be a, a 
a perceivably noble vocation mm. um, people just impose it's that like, whole like morality yeah. frugality thing yeah, isn't yeah. it like at the end of the day the scholar's got bills to pay yeah but and I, it's like service. i was having a conversation about a particular mosque and someone in the in the circle was like they were standard that the imam was getting a salary <laughs> and i was like sorry do you want him to dedicate dev- he's got yeah. children he's yeah. got a wife yeah. he's got bills to pay he's got a family you actually want him to volunteer his yeah. whole life to being an imam. And then what it ends up happening is it makes them elite professions because yeah. only people who can afford to not have a salary can then do that. Yeah. And it, it just, it, the pool of people that you can then choose from right. is like ridiculously small. Yeah. I mean, when did you last hear someone saying, I want to be an imam? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I want to pursue, because it's it's a thing. And we've spoken to alimers who... You know, they're looking for work. They need us. Everyone needs a sustainable model of work, yeah. mm. a sustainable model that will give them income and allow them to do what they're doing. It's, mm. you know, that's the, just the way the world works at the moment. But just to let you know, even if they say 0% admin fee, know that it's being absorbed or, or that, covered. That in a, cost it's is coming covered. from some, somewhere. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And yeah. when I was talking to my friend Zora, she was saying that actually when there is a like, 100% donation policy, there's less accountability on how they spend their overheads because right. it's not coming from the donation, mm-hmm. right? But everyone's obsessed with the fact that, oh, look, it's 100% donation. Okay, but what? how are they spending that rest of their money, yeah. which they they are going to have overheads, of you know? Of course, of course. But, I mean, it's just, uh, charity is just an, uh, like any other business model, except, mm. oh, just do your research, isn't it? And then everything will be all right. Yeah, inshallah. Disclaimer. <laughs> um, right, so right. that's my number one. Thank you for that, Naf. Can I have your second one, please? Um, so my second one is Dubai is overrated. You what? Oh, God, I'm Dubai. loving her this week. Dubai. Hold up. Dubai. Wait, excuse me. Didn't we yeah. have a conversation? We were like, Dubai is actually great. No, for no but yeah, but this is the thing, right? For what? So, a burger? <laughs> okay, so this is the thing. I feel like I included mm. feel a conflict in recognizing that Dubai is actually a motive to go and just do nothing and eat gorge. food and gorge and graze and all those things, right? Like mm. if I think about how do I have an easy break, yeah. it's Dubai, yeah. right? And it's the like the proximity to London. It's easy to get there. Flights aren't that cheap. You can stay in like a three they star. Aren't that cheap. They are cheap. They they're relatively like okay mm. compared to like flying to like Southeast Asia, right? Um, and you can stay in a three-star hotel and it's like the equivalent of staying in a London five-star hotel. Your, your f- the food's there. You can ski if you really want to. Like, all, all the motives are there, right? But I just... Uh, uh, I feel... With Dubai, I feel... Honestly, I feel a conflict because at the same time, I feel like it is like the epitome of everything that is wrong with our ummah. I, I agree with you, but I feel like right off the bat, it's up to the person, isn't it? To just up to the person in, in terms of what they want to spend their money and their time on, like in yeah. small doses. Yeah. Because like some people just prefer that kind of indulgence. Yeah, as but what, to- what I'm saying is like, I, f- I feel like we we make it this motive of like, oh, Muslim country, da, 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 you know, halal, da, 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 and you know, you're always you here. You'll have you that do. You'll have oh, that one friend who'll be like, oh, I want to live in Dubai. Why? Because it's a Muslim country. What? Why? Because you can eat halal food. What makes it a Muslim country? Oh, I can pray. What? Can't you pray here? 
like do you even go try and go out of your way to pay it? like mm-hmm. i feel like and also like we cannot ignore what dubai is built on yeah. dubai is built on the backs of many immigrants many who do not have their passports many who like are held at ransom basically like it is built on the backs of a lot of like bangladeshi immigrants mm-hmm. pakistani immigrants indian immigrants filipino women and men who are like left their families mm-hmm. with with very little children who are treated like abysmally yeah. right mm-hmm. and i just i just feel like there is this real spiritual conflict of seeing dubai for what it is as the glitz and glam versus what dubai is built on and i feel like as muslims and this the thing is like i say this full well knowing that i will probably fly to dubai in the next five years yeah do you know what i mean for that quick holiday you've been there before yeah yeah and that's the thing like I, i feel like it is a land of indulgence and you know when i think of dubai i think of the book agenda to change mm. I hear you, but I, I, I feel like there's part of me that's like, I think it's okay to recognize that. Mm. But you can achieve the same level of indulgence here. You, it will just be on like a, you can achieve that adult indulgence anywhere. Do mm. you know what I mean? I think like, it's, if you're flying, if you're, if you're flying to Dubai, if you're living there, if you're living this lifestyle, if you're promoting it, if, if you embody the lifestyle, that's a whole different level. Like that's a whole different playing field. Mm. Going there for a quick break is the same as going for a quick break to Paris. I disagree. Really? Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. two yeah. different but, levels. But I think like Dubai has this really like it has this really feel. rich no, no, culture. No, no. no, it doesn't have. That, that's the, that's the very thing. It doesn't Are you going have to Dubai soon. No, I, and I've <laughs> never been, and it's definitely not on my bucket list. I want to go through water park there. Transit. Can't I? For me, it's also this like I think the reason I I first thought of it as overrated. Mm was it started from the fact that it is held as this like aspirational place and I think that's where my problem lies in that it's it's actually not so much people seeing it as a place to like go and indulge and blah 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 right. it's the fact that it's held as this aspirational fair enough place yeah 100% it um, is like it's like when we had that burger conversation and you you were like actually out of every way we could lean why did we lean to like five stack burgers with like cheese and so is your qualm with indulgence or is it indulgence in dubai isn't dubai just a land of indulgence i i think like again it's one of those great How areas because like, what is the hadith about eating and but i feel like you can go to dubai and not compromise on those values you run into a spiritual conflict anywhere you go in life right. if you yeah but I, nah, but i think there's places like dubai where like it's that whole, you know, that whole perfume seller and blacksmith hadith where, like, if you walk into a perfume shop, you're going to come out smelling nice, right. even though you, you didn't, like, buy anything, do anything. Mm-hmm. If you walk into a blacksmith, you're going to come out with some blackness on you, even if you didn't buy anything, do anything. Okay. And I feel like that's Dubai. Okay. I think it's just being honest with ourselves. That's what it is. It's like, I feel like we lack an honesty. What shopping consumerism indulgence fast food all these burger shops what that actually means for us spiritually and our soul like we and i don't feel like we're honest with it you know we just pass it all off as oh it's not that deep it's not that deep listen everything is deep Mm. you know and i i just feel like we lack an honesty with ourselves Mm. first and foremost and that's why me me saying dubai is overrated is me also recognizing that I have fed into that problem because I have gone to Dubai, because I have loved the indulgence of it, because I have like eaten the McDonald's, you know, (laughs) like I feel disgusting that I've done that, you know, but I I feel like we do need to be a bit more honest with the, like I don't understand why we move as if 
our physical actions do not affect the state of our heart. I, I agree with you. I, I I agree. Like Dubai, I feel like is a manifestation. If of we our stopped loves. going to Dubai, yeah, yeah, it would run out of money. Cool. If we started making different decisions in Dubai, right? Yeah. Don't we make the choice? Like, don't I mean? For different people, it's different things. For some people, it's saying, actually, I I will go to Dubai because I want to go to Dubai, but these are my rules of engagement. Right. For other people, it's like, I'm never, ever going to step foot in there. Like, I have yeah. a friend, she's from Bangladesh, and she's like, I cannot, in good faith, mm. go to Dubai because it's been, been built on the back no, of Bangladeshi men and women who have been treated abysmally, yeah. mm. you know? And for her, that's just a moral stance. Okay. I think it's important. Mm. It is, man. All right, what's your third one? My third one, I have to give credit to Aisha who came down to the office uh, a couple of weeks ago. I don't have an Instagram handle at the moment. If you're listening, hi. Okay, so she actually gave me this recommendation for Overrated and I could not agree more, right? Go on. Overrated, Muslims getting excited when rappers use words like inshallah or alhamdulillah in their music mm. and feeling validated. What is wrong with your dean? And what is wrong with your state? <laughs> like, how can you get Everyone so... Everyone gets hyped when Drake listen. uses mashallah. And this is the thing, like, do you not understand that? He he knows, he's a culture vulture. Like, he knows, yeah. he knows the effects it's going to have. And you, like, are going to get so gassed. You're going to share it, like it, Yeah, for it. me, you're going to start singing on Instagram and miming along to the lyrics. Just stop it. Stop and it's it. like, you know what? Drake now becomes halal music. Where are you in your dean? And I'm honestly, I'm not judging here. Mm. I'm just, again, I'm asking for some honesty of like, how can you feel so validated that a rapper who's normally talking about like naked mm. women and all sorts, how can you feel validated just because they drop her inshallah? Because this is my opinion, <laughs> but I'm going to do it because I went to a talk on the media mm. and our relationship as Muslims in the media it was by Dali Mujahid. And I mm. think at the time she was working for the Obama administration. Mm. And she said, the next time a Muslim is in the news for a positive reason, start observing the Muslims around you and your own behavior. And she, I think she referenced, uh, I think it was something to do with Muhammad Ali. It was Ali. Muhammad Ali's funeral. Was it, was it perhaps Muhammad? No, I think that was a reference I used. But if you looked, when, when they praise a Muslim in the media, suddenly our own self-esteem rises. And then the moment that they again demonizes, our self-esteem dips. The problem here isn't, the problem is the media, but the other problem is that our self-esteem and our validation is based on our relationship with the media. And how many times have we seen, like we've seen it recently with, you know, Islamic scholars and people of knowledge, things have come out and then our imans dipped or our self-esteem as Muslims has dipped as well. The problem is, is our relationship and, and how we relate to uh Islamic confidence. Mm. Our Islamic confidence should not be derived by a BBC report and somebody having to tell me Muhammad Ali is a man or whatever it is. And I'm not going to say like it's easy. Like we're bombarded with the media day in, day out, right? So I can see why people would get a little bit hyped about something positive. You know, something that Mm. is being used in some positive light. I can understand that. Mm. But it does, uh, I think, lend to the the fact that we need to review our own relationships with the media Mm -hmm. and then our own relationships with our Islamic confidence. Like we saw it with Sinead O'Connor. Like why do you feel so validated just because... You know, that same week... 
a brother uh, on Facebook who was like, can um, people name me inspirational Muslim um, figures, male and female? 80% of the comments were Sinead O'Connor. And I was That's like, rah, she's been Muslim for a hot minute. Literally a hot we minute. every other person. Is it my go? Yeah, it is. Thanks, guys. So I really like them now. Yeah, thanks. Well done. I can't right. say my underrated is strong, but you know. We'll see. Right, Selena, can I have your first overrated, please? All right, so my first overrated is... Is that a Liverpudlian accent? I don't even it's know. It's great. <clears throat> I want to read two definitions. The first one is... An abundance mentality basically means being of a mindset that there is plenty out there for everyone. The scarcity mentality is limiting. It may seem like a good plan at first, but over time too much energy is wasted on conflicting, negative thinking and stifled creativity. So, off the back of that definition, I want to lead on to my first overrated. Okay. And me and Nafisa, we often get people DMing us about their business idea and... You know, again, I, I emphasize the word idea. And one barrier that often crops up and makes people shy away is someone has the same idea as you right. or the idea exists in the market. Right. I'm telling you now that that third coffee shop that opened up on the high street that's going to serve avocado on sourdough is not thinking there's a coffee shop down the road. Right. Yeah. Or if they are, they're going to perhaps offer something different. Their branding will be different. The vibe will be different they'll cater to a different audience. And when you think like that, when you think that someone else has your idea, someone's about to enter the market, you need to step out of the game full stop. Mm -hmm. Mm. Honestly, because you're not ready. And if you have, if you're coming to decisions from a place of scarcity mentality, Mm. you're gonna struggle. Amalia has been around for for what, two and a half, three years? If you're if you're operating from that place, mm. you're gonna struggle. You're okay. gonna struggle off the bat, and you're gonna struggle in two months, two weeks, and I don't think you're gonna survive. And I say that because when we started Amalia, from the moment that we begun, we were told that mod- modest fashion platforms existed. Several started cropping up around us. You know, if we started withdrawing at the sign of the first first sign of competition, do you think we'd still exist? Right. During a time to Amalia, the amount of people that tagged me in, oh, look, they're doing the same thing as you. Oh, look, they're a, a, a platform for Muslim women. The first thing I think, alhamdulillah, mm-hmm. the first thing I do is make the war. Because, it, I may, honestly, I make the war. Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if someone is doing, or you perceive someone's doing exactly what you're doing, because they're not. No one can build what you're building. But even if they are, like, I don't think we realise that, like, we have a creator who, you know, like, he's not limited. Allah is not limited, Mm. you know. We are limited. Yeah, if it is in your risk and if it was meant for you to be, Mm. no matter if there's a hundred other people doing the same thing as you, you will get what you need to do. And I feel like it's that going back to episode one, trusting in Allah rather than trusting in yourself. 100%. If only one bakery made bread for people, a lot of people would go hungry. You need more than one bakery in town. You need to feed a lot of different people in a lot of different areas. And not a lot of people like the same bread from one type of bakery <laughs> so true. Um, my next one these are all quite abstract guys yes so I like that. the next one um it was that i thought i actually had whilst i was on a panel it was for the bame festival and i was talking about motherhood and work often i don't really have time to think about my life until i sit on a panel hmm. or i come to the podcast what a life <laughs> what a life <laughs> what a life mate 
and or really like you know think about why how and why i'm living my life the way i do and it was only when i sat on that panel i realized that i'm just doing everything that society doesn't expect of me i'm running a business with my sister i'm uh, homeschooling my children i'm divorced a single muslim woman you know alhamdulillah and i realized that i think a lot of it in terms of having confidence in the decisions that i have is i'm starting to ignore what of what society expects of me and she skateboards as well <laughs> <laughs> no don't guys chill out we are so trapped by what society expects of us and i say this uh from a point of witness and conversations where people are actually worried to make their their next move because they're worried about what people will think. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hang on, build down the road. doesn't care what what colour you're going to dye your hair. So true. It really doesn't matter. And if you're really that concerned about what people... Like, who is society? <laughs> what does that mean? Like, what does that actually mean? Who is society? Um, or is part of it actually maintaining a status quo amongst the people that you know? Mm-hmm. And it really restrict- restricts your ability to dream freely, which mm-hmm. is something I think we discussed yeah. in the last Following podcast. Following on from the last one, yeah. yeah. And if we live for society, then are we even living for ourselves? I mean, we shouldn't really even be living for ourselves. We should be living for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That way you don't have to maintain a status quo. Exactly. Correct. And, you know, when we come to the, the gates and we explain our life and our decision to our Lord, we'll say it's because society, society said that I couldn't do this or society. It's because your excuse will be because of what society thought. If we break it down, who's society? Mm. Where are these voices? So my third overrated, can you see my fingers? Yep. What's on my nails? It's gold nail varnish. Gold nail varnish, we're sparkling out here. So I feel like I'm starting to put nail varnish on because everyone says, oh, you can put nail varnish on on your period, right? Right. So I was like, oh, I might as well take advantage. But I think it's a bit overrated because I know that I'm going to be able to pray tomorrow. I don't have no one to remove in my house. So I'm going to scramble for it. And there have been occasions, and let's be honest, we've all been there, where I can pray, but I've still got nail polish on my hands. And I'm like, oh, it's 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 like, Isha, I can't really go out right now because the kids are here. And I need to pray, but I've got nail polish it's on. Long. Well, and I've long. prayed. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, I've prayed. <laughs> <laughs> I've prayed. Like, I, I had friends Everyone's got different Them ones where you hide your it. toes in the mosque. <laughs> Everyone's got different schools of thoughts about it anyway. My particular stance, I'm like, you know what, let's just, let's just. I always have respect for the auntie that comes unapologetically with her painted toes. Yeah. It's always red. Yeah, it's always red. I've had some people that have been like, look, I haven't managed to get out and get some nail polish remover. That's on me, but I'm not going to stop praying because of it. And you know that I've worn nail polish once in my life. What? Yeah. I, I, it's not. It's just out of personal preference. I don't have anything against nail polish. Well, there you go. You're always praying then, inshallah. But uh, not that it should stop you. So I think it's overrated for the fact if it inhibits you from then praying. Um. So I know that my to-do list today. I need to go to the pharmacy on my way home and buy a nail polish remover for the but one, one just, time in the month that I wear nail polish. But isn't that just the inefficiency in your own life? Yeah, but you know what? It, that inefficient. Why does the nail polish remover keep going missing anyway? <laughs> again, isn't that an inefficiency in your own life? It in is. Your own but household? you know what? It's, it's not really sparked that much joy in me. Like, it, you know, it's a bit of a nuisance. I've been like, anxious so about the fact some that girls, I need to remove it. Some girls really love their nails. Like, they pace. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So much attention to their nails though, I used it? to be that person. I, I used to change well. my nail colour Me and Selena really? religiously had our nails painted. Is it? Yeah. yeah. I know, I've got a lot of friends who take such no, pride. It was yeah. religiously. Yeah. Going somewhere new, nails. To the better. point where like if a friend saw my hands without nail varnish, they'd be like, oh, you're not wearing nail varnish. I wish I'd just... And it'd be obnoxious colours as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> obnoxious Larry. None of this like nude. No, no, no. no. Mine would be obnoxious. Yeah, like that neon pink. I kind of, I really wish oh, I had that. Oh, miss it now. <laughs> I no, I wouldn't lie. Like, I do like acrylics. I do oh, like them. I've always man. had the idea of them. But yeah. for me. But also taking them off scares the absolute ish out of me. Yeah. Yeah, I do like acrylics and the whole, that whole thing. But I'm I, right now, the knowledge that I have, I'm, I operate from a place where I'm like, you know what? You can't have nail polish. It's and a five day turnaround, isn't it? It is. Do the thing. What's the point? It's, it's a five day turnaround. Maybe well, even less than that, period. you know? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's that like five day turnaround. Yeah, I've long, had three day periods, bro. Yeah, like, it's long, it's long, it's yeah, long. It's, not, it's it? long. You're, t- you're putting it on and taking it off. Literally. You're going to sleep, having it on one day, and then taking it off the next. Yeah. Can I please have your underrated for this week? Right. My first one is just a quick plug, really. Yeah. Um, my underrated... Are paid? No. Okay. <laughs> my um, underrated is a movie that Amalia premiering this Friday. Well, this podcast will come out on Sunday. So the film is called The Judge and we're going to be screening it at Lush Film Festival well, we would have screened it by the time this comes out. It's a fantastic event, mashallah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I genuinely, like, regardless of Amalia um, working on the movie, well, we didn't work on the movie, regardless <laughs> of Amalia screening the movie, um, the movie will eventually be available on Amazon Prime, I believe, maybe in February. Um, so I would really recommend watching it. It is incredible, and I feel like it is the sort of movie that we need to be able to have uh, certain conversations. Mm-hmm. So in a really short context, to not give any spoilers, um, the movie is about a woman who is the who is a judge in Palestine in Sharia courts, and she in particular makes rulings on family law and divorce. And this is a real story, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, it's a documentary following her life. And... Um, it, sh- it kind of shows like 
how much she has to go through to even be in that position, the misogyny she faces in the workplace, the attitudes that she's battling about women, men and women not thinking that she should be in that position. And then also you see like the cases of these women coming to her and saying, look, this is my situation. I really need a divorce. Um, And it just raises so many conversations. And I think what I found really interesting was that it, there were so many parallels to our UK context. And maybe the fact that I found that interesting is showing my own bias of me thinking Palestine's a certain way. But there were so many immediate parallels because even in the UK, Amra Bone was who is the equivalent of Judge Khulud, um was only appointed, I think, last year. Oh, really? Yeah, so it, it shows you, like, we're literally in the same position. Mm. And even her, you know, she's in a very male-dominated sphere. She rules on, like, divorce and family law and things she's like that. She's based in Birmingham, right? Yeah, and she's she would have been on the panel on Friday. Oh, no! Yeah, yeah, she's going to be on the panel talking about... Oh, um, right, I thought you say she's backed out, but... Oh, no, no, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, and world. what I found really interesting in the movie when I was watching it was how easily these women were believed mm. and I f- like for me I found it really fascinating like it literally is a case of if you're coming to the court and you're saying look my husband has neglected me or my husband has done x and y or this is not working out or I've been abused literally the woman is asked she's asked like would you take an oath about this on the Quran and she's like yes I would the Quran is given to her she puts her hand on the Quran and she says I swear by Allah that this 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 has happened and it was especially in like the era of me too right Mm -hmm. I just thought wow like the whole point of Sharia is to be quick and efficient and the way that they believe these women because they believe that they're God-fearing and they also believe that even if they aren't God-fearing and even if they were to not be telling the truth, that we have the ultimate um, justice through Allah. Right. And so we, while we can do everything we, we can in our might to kind of seek that justice, we have to have a, a certain level of... Um, tawakul? Yeah, tawakul, that like, you know, Allah, you know, he, he is the just one. Um, so yeah, an amazing movie, and I really feel like um, loads of people should watch it. Mm, inshallah, inshallah. And just to support, I think movies or document documentary. <laughs> documentaries, documentaries, <laughs> and to support such narrative, so more of it comes out. Yeah, yeah, basically yeah, exactly. more of this type of stuff is surfaced. You know. Yeah. Yeah, otherwise we're gonna soon be facing the Kardashian movie <laughs> because of you guys, really? literally. Okay. So my second one, I've got my notes ready, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> this is what she's doing. This is the dissertation, dissertation research yeah. on. So mm-hmm. before, no, that in, was for the admin fees one. We do research, <laughs> and she was there with her laptop writing things down. Um, so my second underrated is um, the effects of the overconsumption of plastic. Mm. Like mate, so I would probably call myself fake work um, because I get really like angry about certain issues, and, but then don't give that same like energy to other issues like the use of plastic. Um, and so for me, again, this is I feel like some of these podcasts are just like learning, and then you're like, hey, I think everyone else should learn a bit about this too. Um, so my friend Anissa, who is founder of 23 Co Street Coding School for Women, um, 
she has always been like if she sees plastic she has like an actual reaction to it she's just like oh my god this is so wasteful and to be honest i never really got it i was like oh, she's been so extra but the more i've like looked into it and the more that she's actually educated me i've realized like what the heck are we doing to the planet yeah, honestly yeah, it's, scary. It's, it's it's nuts so scary. and um so what i would yeah, so I, I think, again, it's this disconnect to understanding that what we consume and what we do and where we spend our money has real repercussions. And I know there's a whole other side of the conversation. But what about the big brands? Yeah, which is about, oh, what about big corporates and da 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 But, you know, you need to do what you can do as well. Um, and she told me about, um, if you go onto YouTube and type in GPGP, yeah. it's basically the Great Pacific garbage patch oh i've seen this it's awful and it's basically this like whirlwind of garbage in the ocean it's terrifying and it's the largest accumulation of ocean plastic in the world and it's located between hawaii and california and they've taken samples to try and get an idea of like how big it is and things like that and samples tell us that there are 1.8 trillion pieces of plastic in there and that's estimated to be about eighty thousand tons and so it's literally just like whirling around in the ocean, all these whales and yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the thing is, they once don't, do they, they don't do they disintegrate, disintegrate, the yeah. the thing is, no, once but the micro, yeah, yeah, once plastic is on the earth, it basically is the, is here forever. And if you just think about like, and I've been thinking about wow, like if you think about the makeup industry, everything is encased in plastic, right? right? If you think about electronics, plastic. Your plastic bottles. If you think about razors, plastic. Water. If you think about water, plastic. Like is like when you see like it is literally everywhere. And she recommended a book called um, "Changing the Tide on Plastic." And Anissa dropped me some stats um, where she said we've created 8.3 billion tons of plastic in the last 50 years. Mm. And that that's all going to basically stay around. And we've in in the world, we've only recycled um, 9% of plastic in the world has been recycled. And like I never used to take things like separating my plastic when you're like putting the bins out seriously and things like that and now I'm trying to be better um and yeah, even I saw it in your house. yeah and even like things like she was telling me you know how like kids books um you know they've got like that shininess yeah. to it like you can't actually recycle that because yeah. it's paper and plastic mix and they can't actually separate it and it just like we literally we are killing the ocean and I don't, yeah, and it's, again, like, for some people, this might sound hippie, because once one time, for me, it was, oh, whatever, you know, but I th I think another thing Anissa said that is really interesting is, so she was speaking at a conference this week, and she was talking about how, like, um, we vote with our money, yeah. so, like, every time you're going into Costa or a coffee shop, don't and do it, you're taking away one of my underrated. <laughs> so every, t every time we're going into, like, a coffee shop, and we're not taking our own like cup to get the coffee and things like that. We're basically saying it's okay for you guys to keep producing these cups with these plastic lids and yeah. contributing to, to plastic. Yeah, yeah, you're. And again, I I think we have this disconnect of like it's someone else's responsibility to sort these things out. But actually, we need to do an audit of our own lives yeah. of how am I contributing, how am I not contributing. So things like instead of going to supermarkets where everything is plastic packaged in plastic going to the um market to get your fruit and veg which actually isn't more expensive normally it's a lot cheaper and yes you can say oh but the half of that stuff has come out of plastic actually most of it comes in crates and yeah. things like that 
Um, and so just being mindful of your own waste because I've tried to kind of like take more note of how much plastic I'm consuming and it once you see it you're like it's everywhere it's everywhere but you know what as as daunting as it may be it's actually so much easier than people make yeah have you seen that girl on YouTube who managed to fit her entire year's waste into a small plastic bottle yes what Yeah. yeah The stigma around being resourceful and 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 waste conscious is just ridiculous. Yeah, it's actually ridiculous. It's just of some like girl floating around in a bunch of hammocks, and her her flat is kitted out. She's nice. She just looks like I need to wash. Yeah, every day, and she's she just brings out this plastic bowl or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. and it's got plastic in there. But it's like things that she was unable to avoid. Yeah, it's her entire year's waste. I always feel it when I put the bins out. Yeah, I and I see everybody else's bin on my street, and I'm like. Wow. people are not deeping like how much rubbish they're throwing yeah. away it's there's not- a lot of um shops popping up now as well like bring your own shops where you basically bring your own like container and then you fill up say it's olive oil or rice I mean, i'm or- starting to think next time we go to subway i'll be like this is my tub yeah no container. literally can you put my salad but in that's here? the thing like that if you look at um coffee shops who now give you a discount if you bring your own cup that was based on people saying actually i, I don't want to keep using your yeah. cups and being wasteful right and when we start doing more of that mm-hmm. actually it will eventually become normalized to go into a restaurant and say that little flush you know the one that anisa has yeah what yeah. is it the keep up yeah. yeah i would just and also just look into more sustainable materials because reusing plastic is not ideal either mm. there's a lot of like uh bpas in yeah, plastic yeah, yeah. seep into your food after a while it's, oh you know. mad but it's, it's nuts it's just crazy don't, just don't it's buy crazy. plastic and do your own research food. guys all disclaimers apply um, <laughs> <laughs> i feel like this podcast should be do your own research yeah <laughs> so my third underrated is um the effects of taking selfies on our spiritual soul um, oh, this week she's coming, isn't it? <laughs> Dubai selfies. Do you know what we've had time, isn't it? So, <laughs> do you know what it is? I just so personally, and this is not a personal. Uh, Someone's uh, gonna be like, it's just a selfie. It's not that deep. Yeah, I uh, know. I appreciate that. Um, I personally, if someone's Instagram is just selfies, I personally mute them. Like, I don't want to see it. Again, it's this like disconnect between us not realizing what we do has real effects on the state of our heart and our own man and our spirituality and things like that. Mm. Um, it's narcissism, isn't it? Is to post a what? It's it's true. Like we try and like cover it up. Oh, oh, I just want to show people how creative you can be with makeup and all of these things, and it's just self-expression. Well, if you're but you're and that is not. Nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Shilo, come on, man. Let's what? be again. Just be honest you with show yourself. Your work. Mm. It's your portfolio. Okay, fine. I'm just counteracting. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll park Muas, all right? Fine. Um, for the rest of the population, um, what if you offer to and you do portrait shots of yourself? Oh, maybe not. <laughs> um, like if your social media account is like selfie after selfie after selfie after selfie after selfie after selfie, I can tell you for free that is going to have an effect on you. Mm. In and I'm not even just talking about spiritually, like the amount of energy and effort you have to put into looking at those photos of yourself, making sure they're okay, airbrushing them, filtering them, analyzing, oh, but my nose looks a bit weird in this one, or like, oh, my lips need to look fuller, and da 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 da. It's interesting, isn't it? You notice that some profiles. It's literally the same angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also conscious of the other angle. Yeah, 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 exactly. Possibly. Yeah. Which is totally okay, but yeah. it's like, it's so... But you're doing that to yourself as yeah. well, to constantly... Yeah. You're, you're reinforcing. Verifying, oh, actually, yeah. only I can, I can yeah. only post yeah. this one. And I just, again, I just think 
we can't just say oh it's not that deep because actually for you to create a whole account just for your face is quite deep like it just you know it should have seen me back in the day (laughs) i was a professional listen this is like bebo days though yeah because i it it ruined my it ruined my soul i was a professional photographer of myself yeah wow and no i can't lie i used to commission my little sister to see wow photographs because i feel like it was only just starting up then yeah and it wasn't even like the proper selfie culture we have now like the same like do you know what i mean it was just taking a lot of photographs of yourself and i felt ill like i felt ill in my head for yeah. ages mm-hmm. it, uh, it got so, me off it got me off social media for life but like yeah. i remember it, it first ignited a self analyzation of my mm. face that was next level mm. um it was like i had like photoshop in my head mm. wow. and yeah and then and funnily enough it was the most confident i was yeah though to be quite honest with you and i kept it up to maintain a sense of confidence but ultimately it was a false sense of confidence ultimately it was a false sense of confidence and it it was only a blip of my life but i just remember feeling ill Mm. i couldn't i I didn't like i don't uh, uh, yeah it's just basically yeah kids it makes you ill don't do it (laughs) if it doesn't hit you now i'll hit you later so yeah and even like subconsciously like something's happening there and i don't think we can run away from that Yeah. yeah and i think another thing is you know what let's let's take remove the effect on yourself Mm. actually there is a wider effect and i'm going to use the word influence on other people because you're filtering up that image you're Mm. doing whatever it is and then that person thinks you look like that on a daily and they start feeling insecure i downloaded Mm. facetune for the first time not because because i don't you know i don't take photos of myself but i was like i just want to see what the fuss is about it's crazy so you basically have an option you can do all sorts you can to reshape to reshape reshape your jaw to reshape your and they're all like they can look so subtle like you no one will know you've done it like artist do you know do you know when this it was mad i was sitting on a train next to this lady yeah and she had her phone and she kept like tapping it and zooming in tapping it zooming in it was a picture of her and she kept like tapping the picture zooming in and i was looking i was like what is she doing because she's like profusely tapping on different parts and then i realized she was altering the whole image right and i literally i i was sitting there in disbelief because Mm. i was obviously sitting next to the live version of her (laughs) and she's there like like she it was little things like she puffed up her hair she made her eyebrows more arch nose more slim lips more fuller erased any lines cheeks absolutely chiseled um neck even her hand she um made her hand slimmer even her hand she made her hand slimmer on a dating site and is her her social media isn't it her um like her arm every like every single part of that photo was like doctored right and i just it was the first time i'd seen it real pictures of myself yeah and and the thing is like i've obviously we know this stuff happens right but it was i've i've never used those apps and it was the first like for me i find filters shocking in themselves you know and to see like the levels at at which this woman had changed her image Mm. for online like i I, honestly i was shocked i mean now you think back to those discussions when we were like teenagers about like uh having real representation of women in magazines right because i used to think well what is all the fuss about like and i i got that like they used photoshop but i just thought well whatever they're still like really beautiful they can't do much and then we've been given the tools to do it ourselves and you see what goes behind it and it's and it's like the the fact that we're Okay, like normalized it as well to say actually 
I'm have doctored this image because I'm not we're, we're essentially saying I've changed it because I'm not okay with how I look and oh, I think yeah. I should look like this the thing is it's not deep in the fact that it's really not deeping how it affects I, I don't use social media I am still really paranoid about the way my face looks like mm. we've had this discussion over mm. and over again and I think to myself like like what did people used to do before even mirrors mate like they, they were just looking spoons and like, <laughs> yeah. like, like they just feel, got on with their life yeah, cheek you know feels I mean? all right. and yeah. it just was not a big part of our life and I know narcissism has manifested since time immemorial in lots of different ways and it's rooted Portraits in traits yeah it's rooted you know it's rooted in a whole there's a whole genre of it in Greek mythology and civilization and it's obviously got some but I, I feel like even narcissism narcissism back then was like deep. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like now it's been reduced to it's like- It's because it's become so normalized as well. Like it's- mm. uh, And there's no point beating around the bush. Like it's, it goes back to what you're saying about having honest conversations with yourself. Mm. But I don't, I feel like this is maybe the one time I would use the context of having a collective like goal mm -hmm. to eradicate something from our society. I Like I don't believe that taking lots of photos of yourself is a manifestation of confidence. Not in the mm. bottom of my heart, mm. I really don't. Mm -hmm. I, we can try and dress it up, we can try mm. and use that argument, but I don't. Mm. I think having, snapshotting moments of your life to celebrate a memory and, 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 you know, celebrating how you look that day, that's cool. But like, you know, cause people would do that at their birthday parties yeah, yeah, yeah. on like, po on like Polaroids, you know? And like, it's not, it's not, a matter of it being a, a moment, capt capturing a moment and it being instant. It was just like, yo, they didn't attach that much weight to it. Yeah. And the weight that's being and translated And they didn't edit days, it and do this and do that. It's just too much. Like, what are you doing when you go to Dubai? What are you contributing to? What are you doing when you take a photo? What are you contributing to? What was the other ones? What were you Supermarket, what are you doing when what you, you, doing when you go to the supermarket and buying plastic? What are you contributing to? Mm -hmm. And if we are super honest with ourselves, I mean, the consequences of these contributions are peak, mm -hmm. beyond peak. Yeah. Big whirlwind in the middle of the ocean. And then on the other Mass side, security. I mean, the, the metaphor for everything. The, yeah. the other side, the what it takes for you to calm down on them is actually yeah. not that much, yeah. mm. you know? Yeah. I'm sorry, guys, but. It's, you not, know. it's not a rant. It's like. <laughs> Let's say you live your best lifeline, please. I just want everyone to live their best lives. And Correct. I also want to live my best life. Correct. And I'm just trying to help myself and some other people. Correct. Just small, small changes, isn't it? Yeah. Um, these are my Android. So the first one, actually, it continues on quite beautifully in terms of what we've already been speaking about. Mm. But I think what's underrated is consumer power. Mm. and this comes from a conversation um, that I was having in one of my many WhatsApp groups and it broke out about uh, a big fashion brand and the ethics behind it and how modest is a modest fashion brand mm. if their practices aren't modest, if their fabrics aren't sustainable and their workers aren't being treated well mm. and sometimes these conversations we hear a lot of apathy mm. you know, I'm only one, how can I actually make any change, you know, how can I start contributing to less plastic consumption in the world. Mm. Um, and ultimately, as a single person, I can only be accountable for my actions. Yeah. And at the end of time, I will again just be accountable. I won't be here to answer what you've done and what you haven't done. Yeah. Mm. I will literally be accountable for how I have treaded on this earth, how I have consumed and what decisions I have made. Mm. I, I can try and affect change. Mm. 
but we've seen it in our dean as well change is affected by changing your heart first changing we're only yourself. asked to try to strive and to change you know yeah. no one's no one's telling you to go and hold you know big corporates to account mm. you know at least just try and change your own behavior and i think we underestimate our power like we are seeing avocados and kardashians everywhere be honest you, with avocados, avocados and, and the kardashians everywhere it's true they're not forcing it upon us. Yeah. Mm. They will only force things. They will give us what makes money. Yeah. Mm. People are buying avocados and people are consuming mm. the culture of the Kardashians, right? Mm. Can't believe I even couple the word culture and Kardashian together. If we stopped watching the Kardashians, do you know what would happen? They'd stop airing. <laughs> They'd stop being the endorsement for the next product. If we stopped eating avocados, do you think your local brunch place would put avocados on your plate? How can I not change my ways if I know that there is a woman in a factory being mistreated? Mm. How can I not like, and it, it takes a lot for my heart then to be, to consciously say, I don't care. It's not that deep and I can't affect any change. Mm. The next one um, that I want to surface and I think is underrated mm. is asking for help. Um, in terms, if we just take for Amalia alone, is why are you laughing now? What is asking for help? The reason why Amalia has now, inshallah, you know, we're gonna make it to our third year is because we ask for help. Mm-hmm. Like routinely, we ask for help. The mic that I'm speaking into was borrowed <laughs> of someone. The room that we're in was a favor um, for some from someone. We routinely ask people to help us out, mm-hmm. and we survive because we we've asked for that help. Um, you know, yesterday my daughter was dropped home by a friend. Yesterday I was taken to taekwondo by another friend. You and, taekwondo? Uh, sorry, not taekwondo, <laughs> kickboxing. <laughs> when I went to Brighton, I had somebody help me out when I was there. And I believe that the pursuit of success needs to be sustainable. And you might be doing everything alone right now, but can you maintain that? Mm. That's a lot. Because if you actually want to grow and be bigger and affect bigger change, you can't do it as a single person. That might contradict what I've just said in terms of you as an individual can affect change. You can, but remember that Islam is a social religion as well. Mm. Like for us to be around people, there's positive in that that as well. And I think it's good to bring people onto your journey and reach out for help as well. Mm. Like, you know, I talk about a lot as a mother, like we talk about a village not existing anymore for our children, mm. but I don't think we try to engage with the village either. Mm. We There's this notion, and I think feminism has created this, that we need to be these super women that does everything by themselves. Why? Why is seeking help a, a sign of weakness? Mm. You know, my parents aren't going to be here for, um, sorry, this is about to sound morbid, but it's not, but my parents are going away for a short t- time. So it means that I'll be with the kids by myself, getting to work etc i can't do that by myself mm. i can't and if i try to i'm telling you now i'm gonna fail my mental health is gonna deteriorate my health my kids won't thrive as well and i don't know we've come to this point where we're so individualistic that we don't even lean on help each other for anything yeah and that c- creates well, a sense of community and an ummah 
I feel like there's also this like mindset of people want to be able to get to where they are trying to go and say, oh, I didn't take any handouts. No one helped me got here. Get no one helped me All get right, here. I was well self-made done. and da da da. And it, like personally, I don't think anyone is self-made. No, like no. even if we're not thinking about God, Listen, someone gave birth to you. Wasn't yeah, it? exactly. Mm. Someone gave birth to you. Someone had someone helped you at some point in your life. Mm. You know, um, if it you know if you can't see that was God, then it was someone on this on this earth. Um, and I, I do think there is this like mindset sometimes of like wanting to be that hero in your story. And it's yeah. like actually you asking for help. You can still be the hero you if you want to be, be the, the hero. hero. Yeah. It, it doesn't take anything away from you asking yeah. for help. And I think what's a bit more powerful as well. One of the reasons I, I like to ask for help as well is I believe that I want to build a bridge. I hope that one day you will take the help that I offer you. My next underrated, it's a really simple reminder. Um, and it was something that I spoke about on my social media the other day. <laughs> if you want the angels, the purest of creation of Allah, to make dua for you, make dua for someone else. <laughs> and if we go back to um, the hadith, whenever a Muslim supplicates for another Muslim, the angels say, may the same be for you too. That one mm. has always got me. And I wanted to go back to um, what I was saying on the social media. You know, I haven't always been practicing. Um, I started practicing, what, six years ago? Something like that anyway. And I was just looking back at events in my life where I could have gone down really difficult, dangerous roads or routes or whatever it is. And I was like, what was it that stopped me? Obviously, at the time, I wasn't making dua. I wasn't praying. I had no connection to Allah. And I was like... You know what, it was the parents, it was the door of my parents. And I think sometimes we underestimate where we are. Like, you know, I don't deny that people make dua for us and for Amalia too. You know, we hear it, we say, you know, I always make dua for you guys. And I really appreciate it. And you know, when someone says make dua for me, make dua for them. Yeah. Yeah, because you don't know how that will manifest and know that the angel is asking for the same for you too. One day, a terrible fire broke out in the forest and the huge woodlands, and it was suddenly engulfed by a raging wildfire. Frightened, all the animals fled their homes and ran out of the forest. As they came to the edge of the stream, they stopped to watch the fire. They were feeling very discouraged and powerless. They were all bemoaning the destruction of their homes. Every one of them thought there was nothing they could do about the fire, except one little, except one little hummingbird. This particular hummingbird decided it would do something, so it swooped into the stream and picked up a few drops of water and went into the forest to put out the fire. Then it went back to the stream and did it again, and it kept it going back and forth. All the animals watched in disbelief. Some tried to discourage the hummingbird and even laughing. Don't bother, this is too much and you are too little. Your wings will burn and your beak is too tiny. It's only a drop. You can't put out this fire. As the animals stood around disparagingly at the little bird's efforts, the bird noticed how hopeless and forlorn, 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 forlorn they looked. Then one of the animals shouted out and challenged the hummingbird and mocked, What do you think you're doing? You can't put the fire out. And the hummingbird asked, without wasting time or losing a beat, I'm doing what I can and that's what Allah will ask me. Well, that's a wrap. I feel quite empowered, kids. Thanks very much. All right. Uh, thank you to My everybody. My girl's really going to start eating apple into the mic. It makes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, please stay tuned for the credits and we'll see you on the next one. Inshallah. Inshallah. This apple is so yummy. 
Hey everyone, Yasmin Abdelmajid here, recording from London. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Amalia Voices. We'd love to get your feedback. So if you want to get in touch or read out next episode's credits, hit us up at contribute at amalia.com. We've also got a spot open for those of you who want to submit your own voices to Amalia and tell us what you really took away or liked from this episode. You can also find us on Instagram at amalia underscore com and on Twitter at amalia underscore tweets. This episode was hosted and produced by Sarah Amin and would like to thank Mr. Harry Hitchens for helping us out with equipment and Mario Saad for music. Like, share and subscribe and we'll see you on the next one inshallah.